So, we have been and continue to be in this great series uh, on the names of God. And uh, wonderfully coming today uh, to a very, very famous name of God and a very, very famous, possibly one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible, verses in the Bible, which is Psalm 23. But just before I read that, we have a, we're living in a world, this is really the context of this series, we're living in a world, aren't we, where, where names are being brought to our attention all the time. Uh, names are being promoted, people promote their names through social media for sure and who they are and what they do. There are many celebrities, there are many politicians and so on, we're being bombarded all the time by names. And we're just recognizing again and again the vital importance of knowing our God and knowing his name. Because his name speaks of his nature, it speaks of his character, it speaks of his attributes. And when we know God's name, we begin to know something of our God and we know our relationship to him. And so our key text, which we'll just put up, is from actually from an earlier psalm, Psalm 9, verse 7. Yahweh, the Lord, reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. Yahweh, the Lord, is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Here it is, verse 10. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And so we're wanting to know the name of God that we might understand and that we might put our trust in him. And that basis of that trust is on knowing his name. Well, today we're going to look at a very famous name, Psalm 23. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for the way it speaks life to us. And we pray today... As we look at this wonderful element, part, attribute of your name and your nature, would you, would you speak to us? Open our eyes, open our ears, give us hearts to respond, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Yahweh, the Lord, is Rohi, my shepherd. I shall not want. Um, just to say, I'm just going to allude to something, Simon, um, Simon Jones sent me a note, he was doing some study for last week, I listened to Simon's preach in the week, wasn't that wonderful last Sunday, the Lord is everywhere, 
Um, and uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to some of these, these talks are going to be uh, they're, they're online, but do listen to them. Um, we've been unpacking these names of God. I just thought Simon's preached last week was wonderful, but he sent me a little set of notes that he'd come across that he'd discovered from a, a great old uh, Christian commentator called Warren Wearsby. Um, he's talking about the compound names of God, and he says, and I'd never seen this before, never seen this before, that the names of God are to be found within Psalm 23. Okay, so just quickly want to see this, okay? So, the Lord's my shepherd, obviously it starts, so that's one of the names of God. The next one, I shall not want. Okay? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Paul Rass is going to look at that in a few weeks' time. He leads me beside still waters. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. He restores my soul. Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Jehovah Sekenu, which nobody can ever say. The Lord, our righteousness. You are with me. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Even in the presence of my enemies. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner. I don't know if we're going to... We're running out of weeks before Christmas on one or two of these, so we may have to try and pick them up another time. But in the presence of my enemies, the Lord, our banner, you anoint my head. Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. Have you ever seen that before? Ever seen that? Isn't that wonderful? So just, uh, you can have a look at that. But there, isn't Scripture wonderful in that way? Just highlighting the nature and character of God. Well, today, Jehovah, Yahweh, Rohi, my shepherd. The word sheep appears in the Bible more than the word grace. Over twice as often as the word pray, and nearly three times more than the word church. The New Testament uses the word seven times as often as the word Christian. Shepherds and sheep were everywhere in the ancient world. Right through the whole Bible. The whole Bible is full of shepherds and sheep. Everyone knew all about them. Everyone uh, would have understood about them, what they were, how how you related to sheep, um, and, uh, and what they stood for. But today, perhaps, maybe, not quite so, so much. We might have a vague idea, but for most of us, lamb is something that we quite like to eat. Or if somebody else takes us out to the restaurant, we choose lamb, or am I the only person? Yeah. Um, mainly because these days we don't get to eat it very often because it seems to become very expensive. So, We don't know a whole lot. Unless you grew up on a farm uh, with sheep, you probably don't know a whole lot about them. So when we hear God being described distinctly as a shepherd, our shepherd, we're not necessarily aware of the implications. There's one or two that we go, oh yeah, we know know about this bit, but perhaps there's not everything. We might have a vague idea, but we're not that, that clear. But God is actually described as shepherd throughout the Bible many, many, many times. And of course, most famously, as we've just read in Psalm 23, Yahweh Rohi is actually declared by the psalmist, Yahweh Rohi, Yahweh my shepherd. 
So we're going to look briefly, just briefly, at a few things that the shepherd did and how that applies to God and therefore our relationship to him. Firstly, and this is the bit that perhaps we might not immediately understand, and it's so relevant to a few weeks' time, actually. Sometimes it gets highlighted at Christmas, but not always, a, or not always the case. Shepherding was, and actually still is, a very humble and unglamorous job. If you've ever been involved in shepherding in any way, or cattle or sheep, you will be aware of this. The truth is, sheep smell. Is that true, John? If you get around sheep... No? I, well, I've been around sheep. I, I went to, what's the place where you go and watch the shearing? We went and saw them, and was it, was it the farm or Robin Hill? No, where did we see? Anyway, we went, yeah, last summer. Don't worry. Don't pan- Jackie's panicking because she can't remember, because I, I can't remember anyway. But we saw that we went into the shed, and you can just smell. There's just this smell. They were all being, um, being shorn, okay? But certainly in Bible times, it was mostly outdoors, including sleeping. Talking about Lesotho, I don't know if you guys got out into the mountains of Lesotho, but I know there's been a lot of outreach going on, and uh, certainly Prince Harry set up a a trust working with what's called uh, shepherd boys. Uh, And you think maybe they're going to be men, but actually a lot of them are children, but they are also men as well. But right high up in the mountains, sleeping outdoors all the time with the sheep and going where the sheep go and so on. So mostly outdoors, cold at night, hot and sweaty and dusty and dirty by day. And dangerous, of course, particularly in Bible times, leading to fight off wild animals. We'll come back to that in a moment. It's also quite lonely. It's quite isolated because of the geography out in the fields, out in the hills. And because of all the things that we've mentioned above, uh, shepherds were generally looked down on um, by everyone else. It was the sort of the lowest of the low kind of job that was really not done uh, by, by others. Um, it, oh, it's those guys out there. In the she- out of sight, out of mind. Do you remember David? Even forgotten about. Um, even his own father gets in all his sons, lines them all up. Well, isn't there any others? Oh, yeah, there is one. He's out with the sheep. Um, so that kind of, uh, of way of thinking about them, but also religiously, because they couldn't go through all the rituals regularly, because they couldn't get to the temple at the right time of day, they were seen as outcasts. In fact, they, they weren't really welcomed at the temple, which makes it, of course, more astonishing when the angels appear, first of all, to shepherds. Um, and isn't that God's heart? Isn't that the heart of God? So with all of that in mind, and all of that picture, if you like, what is so wonderful is that God is prepared to be known as a shepherd. And right from Genesis onwards, you get the I am, Yahweh, Jehovah, Almighty God, creator of the heavens and earth, the Lord of hosts who we heard about some weeks ago, was prepared to get in among the the dirty, the the smelly, the difficult, the stubborn people of his creation in order to care for them. As one translator famously put it, in the person of his precious son, to pitch his tent in the refugee camp of humanity, to come and live among us, to dwell among us, to identify with us in every way. 
to be alongside, not to be disconnected, not to be far off, but to be with us, with us where we were. This is our God. This is not a God who is removed. This is not a God who's far off and distant, somehow on a statue, as it, as it were. We heard so much uh, last week, wonderfully, about the God who is there. But a God who is there in our circumstances, in the muck and mire of our lives, in the ups and downs, as Roz so wonderfully uh, shared with us and encouraged us. In those moments of challenges, when the winds come, when the troubles come, when, when things feel like they're breaking, God is there. The Lord, our shepherd. Our shepherd. He's there. He's, he, and I, I want us to hear this. He's not just your shepherd. He's just not their shepherd. He is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You remember what, what Jesus said to the disciples as they said, teach us to pray? What did he say? Our Father, or their Father, or or your Father, our Father, my Shepherd. Amen? This is is our God. This is our God. So that's where we we start. Then it says, uh, I shall not want. In some versions it says, I shall lack nothing. Now, Paul is going to speak on Jehovah Jireh, so I don't want to steal all all of his thunder on that at all, and that will be wonderful to hear that. But I just want us to hear this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We live in a world that is driven in in regard to need, and, and a world that is advertising to us constantly what it thinks we need or what it wants to sell to us. And yet we have a verse here that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And there's something we, we need to, to hear just from a shepherding. Shepherds provide for their sheep. The sheep were not responsible for finding good pasture. The shepherd was. Certainly in biblical times, um, as somebody shared in the prayer meeting, that, uh, that Middle Eastern picture was of the shepherd going before the sheep and leading them. Not driving them as you might find in a more Western culture. But if there's no water, the shepherd needed to find it. You find lots of stories in Scripture where they're going around trying to find water and they dig wells and then they bring their animals to to the well. So there was no water. The shepherd needed to find it. The shepherd provided for everyone's needs. He knew how to do that. Uh, The sheep didn't. Perhaps this is one of the pictures that we most associate with God. We most understand. We, we understand this picture of the provision and God. And yet, how often we can take for granted what we have as coming from God. Do you know that one? It's like, well, I, I, I've earned it. I earned the money. You've heard me say before. But yes, who gave you the wisdom? Who gave you the strength? Who put the breath in your mouth? in order that you might do those things. And we need to come again to this most simple and profound, as it were, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. Things are struggling at the moment, things are difficult at the moment. No, the Lord is my shepherd, he will meet my needs. He has met my need. And that's why we need to be thankful. We found ourselves going through a, a little, just a little moment of thankfulness this morning. Angus was giving thanks. It's great to see you here, Angus, and great to see the operations gone well. But Angus was giving thanks, and others began to give thanks. We need to keep saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I give thanks. 
I'm not in want. Now, there may be things that we feel we need. There may be things that we're longing for. But who is it that we come to for that provision? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall lack nothing. So we can find ourselves in difficult circumstances and we can go looking for those resources. And if we're not careful, we can try and go within. Go within ourselves and say, I'm going to try and fix this. I'm going to try and sort this. But as we go into ourselves, so often we find that the resources is lacking. I don't have it within myself. Or anything that I can find, a bit of effort, a bit of something, it doesn't last. It doesn't sustain. I have to look outside of myself. This is, this is what's so challenging to our culture, to our thinking, to our worldview. No, you be your own God. You sort it, you fix it, you're in control. But when we use the word surrender, we recognize I can't fix it. I can't save myself. I am not a savior. There is a savior who has come from heaven to save me. And I have to acknowledge and recognize that I need saving. That's a huge challenge to my ego. That's a huge challenge to, to the spirit of this age that says, no, you're God, you can save yourself. But I come to the place where I know I can't save myself. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my saviour. He's my salvation. He's my strength. He's my healing. All of these names that we are looking at. And like David, Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. Having Yahweh as my shepherd means that I will lack nothing that I need. This is our God. He knows our needs. And what the rest of the psalm then does is it actually unpacks the amazing provision of God. So if you then go through those verses, you will see all the way through that the psalmist is talking about this is how God, our shepherd, meets our need in all of these areas. Whether it be in salvation, whether it be in healing, whether it be in provision, all of these areas, uh, that's how he meets our needs. He leads, provides protects, feeds, and steers right the way through to the very end of our lives. So thirdly, secondly, uh, the shepherds provide for their sheep. Thirdly, shepherds care for the health and protection of their flock. The shepherd watches over the flock. And of course, this involves looking for and recognizing signs of sickness and danger. Now, I don't come directly from a farming background, but I grew up around farms, and my dad, if we can just bring up the first picture, um, my dad um, was very much involved in farming and uh, was around animals a lot, Uh, in fact, went to Reading University and studied um, something to do with cows' stomachs, Um, but uh, he's got photographs of pictures with cows with Glass, special glass holes and you fed them food and then watched it going along and stuff. Anyway, maybe too much information. But I remember as a little boy, one day, uh, we, were, we were driving along through the countryside. We used to go out, my mum and dad loved the countryside. We used to go out in the countryside a lot. We were driving along down this little quiet country lane one day and all of a sudden, my dad literally slammed on the brakes of the car. 
Um, and we thought, what on earth's going on? There was nobody else around us. He threw open the door. Ran. My dad was not a man who ran anywhere, but um, he, he ran and he got to the fence, scrambled over what was probably a barbed wire fence, and started running through a field, just like this, running through. And we thought, what on earth is he doing? Where is he going? And my mum is like, you know, she, she didn't really say anything. She, we're all just watching uh, what, what is dad doing. Dad didn't run anywhere. Um, and he's running through a field of sheep. Um, what we didn't know was that in this big field of sheep, he could see something because he had an eye, a trained eye, that we didn't see. This is what he saw. That's what he saw. He saw a sheep on its back, literally on its back, and, and it... It couldn't turn over. Now, I know there's some stories around what sheep can and can't do, and I'm always very conscious that when I'm standing here talking anything to do with animals, I've got two vets at the back there who are already discussing. I can see them discussing the health of these animals right now. (laughs) But um, as I understand it, because of the joints and and how it works, it's very, very difficult for a a sheep, once it's on its back like this, and particularly if it's in lamb, with all the weight of the lamb and so on, to ever turn over and get back up again. My dad spotted it. Spotted it. Turned the sheep over. Sheep stood up, shook itself. Maybe it was just asleep having a kit, but I think it it was properly on its back. and, um, um, And my dad saw it. I've never forgotten it. Never forgotten it. He saw the signs, needed to do something about it. Yahweh, our shepherd, knows the signs, sees the dangers. This is why I'm so grateful. This is why the psalmist says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He, he knows me, he knows my needs. He knows uh, where to bring me to the place of peace. He knows where to lead me to good water, good pasture. He also knows where the danger is. And this is where grace, some of us have been just talking quite a lot in recent weeks about grace and our understanding of grace. And I recognize grace is something we need to keep uh, revisiting and talking about together. But this is where uh, grace comes in because in his grace he sends help to us I think we we need to understand we sometimes miss and I'll come to this in just a moment a bit more but we miss the understanding of the grace of God that when God comes to us when he shakes us up when he takes hold of our arm as it were metaphorically spiritually when he brings a verse of scripture to us when he sends us a friend that's his grace that's his grace. Sometimes he'll send us a good friend. Sometimes he'll send us a, a human shepherd, a, a pastor, an elder to warn, to help. In terms of protection in the Bible times, I'll come back to that in just a moment. In terms of protection in Bible times, not only was it human thieves, and there were human thieves who would want to threaten the sheep, and of course that's still relevant today, but there were many animals, wild animals, like lions and bears and wolves. Remember David talking to King Saul about when he's about to go and fight Goliath? Can you remember what he said? Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. The Bible just is so simplistic sometimes, isn't it? (laughs) If he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, struck him and killed him. 
serious shepherding going on there. It's like, you know, if we see a lion or a bear or a wolf, we're just going to run flat out. No, I'm going to go after. I'm going I'm to rescue the sheep. Yahweh, our shepherd, does the same. He fights off evil. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Literally, that means valley of deep darkness. He cares. He watches over us. I've had the privilege, and it is a privilege, of sitting with people in the last days, last hours of their life over the years. I've had the privilege of sitting with numbers of Christians over the years who've been very, very unwell. And one thing that has always stood in my mind so often, yes, there are questions, yes, there are concerns, but the sense of the peace of God with Christians is God is there with them, walking with them, protecting them, guiding them. And their, their testimony of the presence of God is quite profound at times. But he watches over us. He gathers us up. He protects us. He protects us from ourselves as well as others. That's part of his shepherding, to protect us from ourselves. We think we know. We think we've got the answer. And he wants to come to us and say, I am the good shepherd. Listen to my voice. I'm going to read John 10 as we finish in a moment. But listen to me. Again, along with the wisdom and insight of his word, which we love. We love the Bible. We will always preach from the Bible. We always honor the Bible highly. It's our first place we go to. But also, along with the Bible, he almost always does it by giving us the input of others. By putting good people around us, friends and family, pastors and leaders and so on. That's how he does it. That's why he places us into family, that we might hear his voice through his word and through each other. Now I want you to note there are two ways of protection that are mentioned by David in Psalm 23. Your rod and your staff. Your rod is, uh, is something of defense. How are we doing? Is it coming up? There we are. And your staff actually is about discipline. Historians actually tell us that the rod was much more like a wooden cudgel. I don't know if you ever thought about it. We say the Psalm 23 so often, don't we? Lord in my shepherd, I shall not want, da, 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 da. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You think, why has he got two? Your rod and your staff, what are they about? The rod was much more like a wooden cudgel, really, used to fight enemies, protect the sheep. That's what the, the rod was. We, we thank God the shepherd has this rod, so we have one who is fighting for us. Do you feel you're on your own? Do you feel lonely? You say, I don't know that anyone else understands. I'm in this battle on my own. No, you are not. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He has a rod. Okay? It's a rod of his righteousness. It's a rod of his truth. It's a rod of his grace. And he is fighting for us. He's fighting with us. We're not doing this on our own. Your rods. And then also, your staff. Okay? The staff, obviously much longer, used to round up the flock. And I'm going to say this, direct them. We could say discipline them. It would not be a wrong word. But to direct them, much like the shepherd's crook that we would recognize today. 
And so the rod is for defense and the, the staff is for direction and for discipline. Just note, I don't know, you, you just spin past it so easily, don't you, on a very, very well-known verse. Psalm 23, verse 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And we think, yeah, that's good. Now, I did some research on this and was trying to find it, but it all got very complicated and I realized I was spending more time than than I should have done. But I'm reliably informed that there is a famous scene in the Bayou Tapestry of, you know, the amazing embroidery um, of the invasion of England by William the Conqueror. And there's a particular section in the Bayou Tapestry where it says, King Harold comforteth his troops. You have to put your teeth in for that one. Comforted. Now, there seems to be some discussion whether it was Harold or some bishop, Bishop Ono or Una or somebody. Anyway, I tried to find a picture, but it was getting very complicated, so not to worry. But there is a picture, I am told, King Harold is comforting his troops. Do you know what he's doing? Has anyone heard this one before? He has a spear. Do you know what he's doing with it? He's poking. Yeah, we, we, will, uh, we won't go into the detail as to where he's poking, but he is distinctly poking his troops. And it says Harold is comforting his troops. God's protection and God's discipline is for our comfort. But it's not just there, there, pat on the back. It's for strength and purpose, even directive correction. New Testament talks a lot about parents and it talks about the father's relationship to children. And there's a scripture that distinctly talks about a loving father disciplines his children. We live in a world and society where people don't like that. They don't like that. God is a God of love. Yes, he is a God of love. God pours out his love. Yes, he does pour out his love. One of the ways he does that is to warn us. That's his love. That's his grace. I don't know if you've ever had to shout or even catch hold of a child, or maybe even an adult, from a moment of danger. Have any of you ever experienced that? You go, watch out! Watch out! I always remember, um, we taught Lauren uh, to ride a bike. Uh, Lauren is our eldest daughter, she's now 32. Um, But Lauren's not renowned for being spatially aware. Um, And and even today, if you look down the side of her car, you'll have examples of that. Anyway, (laughs) sorry Lauren if you're listening to this. But uh, we taught Lauren to ride, and she was desperate to ride her bike to school in West Swindon. We were in an area called Freshbrook in West Swindon, and she wanted to ride, and she was riding, and I got her to carefully cross over the road. She's riding along the pavement, and then there was another road, and it was one of those classic where a car comes up and turns right, but you're going to cycle across the road to get across to school. And she's just not looking. And a car's coming, and being Swindon, it wasn't coming slowly. No cars go slowly in Swindon anywhere. And uh, I could see, I knew this car was going to come around the corner, and Lauren is going out into the road on her bike. And I literally, I won't do it now because it will damage the PA and everything. I shouted probably the loudest, I, I stop! 
by God's grace, she did stop. She sort of anchored on everything. And this car, zoom, literally inches in front of her steering wheel, in front of her, the bike wheel. Again, you don't forget those kinds of things, do you? Have you ever had to shout, catch hold of a child? No, it's hot. No, you're going to fall over that wall. We had an instant uh, year before last at Compton, wasn't it? Uh, Compton, the big one, yeah, Compton. And you know the cliff, you park at the top, don't you, and you've got the cliff. And Theo was three. Stop! He's running straight for the cliff edge. Literally was running straight for the cliff edge. And in fact, one of us grabbed him, I think. This is part of the shepherding of God. Brothers and sisters, we need to know that when God arrests us, sometimes through his word, sometimes through a brother or a sister in Christ, that is his grace. It's a display of his love. It's a display of his grace. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. We say it, don't we? We pray it, we say, I shan't be in want. No, you won't be in want for anything, including being warned when you're falling off the path, when you're falling away. It's a display of his grace that we even get to receive his direction and his correction. Yes, we have his protection. Yes, we have his provision. We also have his direction and his correction. I want to say to you, representing leadership of this church and leaders all over the the nation and the nations, it's not at all easy and it can be very challenging at times. But the human shepherds, which the Acts chapter 20 25 to 23 calls pastors and elders, they also have the same responsibility. I need to tell you, I do it in fear and trembling. I do it with great tears at times. But it's a responsibility that is given to some of us. It's part of what God has called us to. But it's his grace. It's his grace. Finally, fourthly, shepherds lead their sheep. In the eastern setting, it was not up to the sheep to find their way. It was up to the shepherd to lead them there. On their own, sheep might go towards dangerous rivers and fall in, wander from the good path into danger, into the thickets, into bandits, um, or into wild animals, as as we've heard. The shepherd led the sheep. And what is so wonderful is that picture, isn't it? And we talked about that wonderful name of God, Shalom. He leads them by still waters. He leads them by waters that will refresh them. Joe, what do you want to say? Yes. Yes. Amen. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. They needs to be still so that they can drink. And in right paths. The righteousness of God, the right ways. Taking full responsibility for them, being where... He wanted them to be. Sheep don't debate with the shepherd about where they're supposed to be going or wondering what the shepherds will for their life, whether it's changed. There's a trust. We'll read from John 10 as we finish in a moment. The sheep know his voice. They trust him. They follow him. When the shepherd moved, so would the sheep. So assuming that the sheep were not disobedient, It's always going to be safe if they stay close to the shepherd. We heard that prophetically 
didn't we, in our worship time. One of the biggest challenges, dare I even say, one of the impacts that today's culture potentially is having on the church of today is the desire, even the demand, to change or to reinterpret the Word of God. To make it fit me. Make it fit my needs, my feelings, my wants. But when the Lord is Rohi, my shepherd, I surrender my life to him. He knows my ways better than me. He leads me in paths of righteousness. But if I won't surrender to him, if I will walk away, I'm in danger. I'm in danger. The world says, no, we, we love lots about God. We love lots about the word of God. We love what we see of the, some of the nature and heart of God. So let, let's, let's have that and let's interpret that into today's culture and today's society. So that it fits my needs, my feelings, my wants. No, the invitation is to surrender to the one who is your shepherd, who knows your need and will meet your needs. I don't follow him blindly. I don't follow him blindly. Blithely, I surrender my life to him, fixing my eyes on him. Psalm 9, those who know your name trust in you. You see, the thing is, I'll take that bit from the Bible, but I won't take that bit from the Bible. It says, I don't really trust you, God. That's what it says. Whether we like to hear that or not, I, don't tr- I trust you that bit, so I'll have that bit, but I don't like that bit and want that bit. It doesn't meet my needs, so I don't trust you there. I want to suggest to us, we either trust him totally or we don't trust him at all. Now, that's a journey of life. That's a journey of surrendering. That's what disciples are. They're daily learning and growing to give their life to Jesus Christ, to follow in his ways. I recognize there's much to learn. But those who know your name trust in you. And they trust the whole word of God. I want to suggest to you, as we finish, you cannot listen to his voice and do what he says and still end up in the wrong place. He has seen every possible pitfall in your life. His passion and his desire is to lead you in paths of righteousness, in his right ways. Why why am I so confident in this? For his name's sake. That's the heart of, we can so easily miss some of these little tiny lines in, 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 in scriptures that we so well known. You see, it's for his name's sake, it's for his glory. So unless you're being disobedient to him, you are exactly where he wants you to be. As you surrender your life to him, it's for his glory. It's that he might be glorified. He makes me, he leads me, he restores my soul for his glory glory. His name speaks of and displays his character and his character, his actions in my life display his glory. I've been made for the display of his glory. That glory might come to him and that others might see his glory. 
That's why I submit to his kingship. That's why I'm so grateful for the rod and the staff. Protection and direction that he might have the glory in my life. As I continue to submit to him, he pours out his blessing over and over and over again. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup literally overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life until eventually I will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever, who is my shepherd. I invite you to stand. Truly, truly, I say to you, He or she who does not enter the sheepfold of the door but climbs in by another way, that man, that woman, is a thief and a robber. But he or she who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And and in Jesus, he's talking about himself. He's talking about him being the shepherd. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of a stranger. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, not the shepherd, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand, cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Those who know your name, trust you. Lord, we thank you for this great name. We thank you that you are a good shepherd. You're a good, good God. We've been singing it. You're a good God. We thank you that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. We want to pray today that you would help us to be those sheep who respond to your voice. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your healing, the righteousness that you have given us that we didn't deserve. We thank you also that you're a God who seeks to guide us and direct us, to warn us. We also thank you for your grace and your mercy that rescues us. 
rescues us, that runs across the field when we are completely stuck, unable to help ourselves, unable to save ourselves. You come running right across the universe and you die for us. You surrender your life for us that we might live. We pray today that these great truths would just go deep into our lives. We pray that you'd help us to be those who respond to you, keep listening to you, keep following you. Help us to be a blessing to one another. Help us to be those who encourage and support and protect and warn one another as you have displayed that to us. Lord, we we give you these days. We give you our lives. Speak these truths into us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. It may well be.